welcome, uh, listeners, to the uh, inaugural 2017 football podcast of TMG. Um, we're excited to be back for our second year, and this is Chris Dufresne, one of the co-founders, and we have uh, Mark Blouchin, Jersey guy. Are you there? I'm here. Jersey, Jersey I'm guy. Here that loud, boy, loud and clear. And Herb Gould, are you are you with us, Herb? I am ready for some football. We've mastered this technology, and we have a, a special guest for our first podcast. We really wouldn't want to start a, a season any other way than to uh, have Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, with us. Tony, are you on board via cell phone? I am I you. am on board, thanks to this technology, and uh, <laughs> just got back from SEC Media Days. Boy. Four fun days. A good time was had by all. When I when I say it's great to hear your voice, you know, people won't understand. Right? You know, setting this up, we finally got all four of us together. But it's great to hear your voice, and because we have Tony online, we're going to go right to him. Uh, as he said, he was at SEC uh, Media Days in uh, Hoover. It's still in Hoover, isn't it? Aren't they? Are there? Are they moving it soon? Are they here? They are. They are still in Hoover. There are rumors they're going to move it around a little bit, but we'll we'll see. Sometimes. Sometimes uh, those rumors start when the contract is getting to an end, so we'll, uh, we'll see. Right. Well, well, Tony, give us a couple uh, takeaways from uh, the SEC uh, media days. Uh, a couple. Uh, you, you wrote a couple of st- stories on your website, TonyBarnhart.com. It kind of touched on some of the things I was, I was going to ask you. Um, you know, the, the young quarterbacks, for sure. I mean, this is a league that I think – in the last few years, has suffered because of uh, lack of, you know, uh, quarterback play. But I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Would you agree with that? You got a lot of young young bucks uh, that are ready to step up. I think. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Chris. It, it, it's it's been for a couple of years. It was a position of weakness. They just wasn't that. There weren't that. I mean, since Tim Tebow left the league, yeah, there just haven't been that many quality quarterbacks. But last year was an unusual year that. Yet four true freshmen ended up as starting quarterbacks uh, in the SEC. And this year, 11 of the 14 schools returned the guy who started their last two or three games. And a bunch of those guys are either sophomores or uh, some redshirt freshmen coming in. Yeah, uh, got a couple of older guys, but the quarterback play in the SEC is going to be a lot better this year, which is why I think the, the league is going to take a – they had a rough year last year. I think they're going to take a step, uh, a step back, step forward again. Yeah, I mean that's the saying that we've always had. Uh, the the, the Pac-12 is that you know uh, the question I ask every year is who are the quarterbacks? And if you've got uh, you know good quality young quarterbacks, your league is going to be deep. Um, what are the, what are some of the other burning issues uh, coming out of the media days in your mind? Well, the main thing and what everybody wants to know about or talk about is is can anybody you know derail Alabama? And this 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 incredible run that they've been on uh, since Saban got there, since his second year. I mean, they have been in the mix for the national championship every year. You know, Auburn has won a couple of SEC championships since Saban's been there, and uh, LSU won one. But that's about it. Alabama has basically dominated, and uh, I don't know if there's anybody who can supplant them this year. And the question is, does that hurt the conference? I don't. I don't have. I don't think it does. It just sets the bar high that everybody's got to reach. Right. Um, hey, Tony, uh, Commissioner Sankey, I thought one of his statements I said uh, he made this week was there was some speculation about realigning the, the conferences to get more balance, and he kind of put a 
put an end to that really quickly. I mean, what's your feeling about about because the SEC East has been been second fiddle for like six or seven years now, right? Yeah, but you know what? They they had a big big blowout discussion about three years ago about okay, what about the divisions? What about scheduling? You know, what's our scheduling model? How should we do this? And they and they went through every possible scenario and decided. They were just fine the way they are. Now, there's been a lot of discussion, and some of it has been led by Auburn, about Auburn moving over to the east and putting Missouri in the west for geographical purposes. But but the reality is, guys, is, is that when the league was founded and or when the divisional play started in 1992, those schools were put in the east and the west. There were six schools that had traditionally had uh, been, you know, traditional challengers in the league. It was Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia, and Auburn, Alabama, and LSU. And those six schools were split up in order to balance the league uh, starting in 1992. So that's why Auburn is in the West. It's not there for geography. It's there because they wanted to balance out, and they they wanted Alabama and Auburn in the same division. Auburn is talking like now, they, like they want to be in the East, but it's, it's not going to happen because of competitive balance. And you would, you would throw the competitive balance a little wacky if you moved Auburn over to the East. Yeah, because the, I mean, the ACC has a similar problem in the ACC Atlantic because you got Clemson, Louisville, and Florida State are all uh-huh. at the top of their game. And, and, and the Coastal Division is, is, is produced basically, I mean, Virginia Tech's there. But, you know, and hopefully Miami will, will, will make a run this year, hopefully. Or, you know, but that's the imbalance is, is, is starting to show in, in that league. You know, then you compare it to, that to the Big 12, which has no balance at all because it's, they, can't, they can't make up their mind about two divisions. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, these are not you know these are not ten year decisions. These are twenty five and thirty year decisions. Right. Okay. And, and uh, the, you know, Louisville is a factor now, but what were they before? Uh, you know, before yeah. Charlie Strong got there. And so you you don't you don't really make a change like this because you're going through a. Str- I mean, look back in the nineties, the SEC East was the dominant division. Yeah. Tennessee and Florida were top five teams every single year when Philip Fulmer and Steve Spurrier were coaching at those schools. So you just that is just the nature of the nature of the business. But you don't change your alignment based on you know a six, seven, eight year uh, sample size. Well, you also get into situations. You know, when the Big Ten went to division, they had Michigan and Ohio State separated. And then there was a lot of concern. Well, what if they play, you know, the big game, and then the next week they play the conference championship game, and they finally, you know, realigned it and put them in the same division. I think, you know, with Alabama and Auburn, you'd probably, you know, want to keep it that way too, even though the scenarios are remote. You know, if they're going to play back-to-back games, that's not really going to be good for your league situation either. No, it's not. And something like that, Pretty much occurred in the Pac-12, didn't it, Doof? Didn't you have the same? Didn't you have a rematch in the in the <laughs> yeah. Pac-12 championship game? Yeah, like five days later was um right. with, was with Stanford and UCLA, and um you know and, and that's going to be an issue. That was an issue, and the Big 12 is going back to a, a title game this year um, after not having one. Uh, although they're they're not splitting into divisions, uh, but I know they've moved the Bedlam Bedlam game to the first week in November this year, so to kind of avoid that conflict. But that is the issue in doing that. Um, uh, a couple other hot issues. Uh, hot, how about some hot seat issues in the SEC? And I'm thinking of two names and two programs that uh, 
you know, we got to watch. I think one is uh, is Texas A&M and and, and and Kevin and Sumlin. Uh, how hot is his seat? You know, given it seems like this team starts five and zero every year, and then ends up eight and five. Uh, I'm wondering, can that trend <laughs> continue? Well, that that's been that's yeah. been the issue. Is they, they've had good starts, and then I think they've started five and zero each of those years. Last year, you'll remember they started seven and one. But the, the one loss was to Alabama. And yeah. so when the first CFP rankings came out, Texas A&M was sitting there at number four. So they, was, they, they were right where they wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, the reality is, is that the November schedule gets uh, – the schedule gets real because they got to play LSU and Alabama in November usually. That's a problem. The problem is they've had, they've had an overall lack of depth and an inability to stop the run. If you can't stop the run, if you can't at least slow down the run, uh, in this conference, uh, it's, it, you're not going to win very many big games, and so that that has been an issue. They've been eight and five the last three years. They put Texas A&M has put about 450 million dollars into facility improvements, including yep. the stuff they've done to Kyle Field. So I just think and Kevin Sumlin is the second highest paid coach in this conference, behind you know who. Wow, and, I didn't, uh, I didn't he's realize making, that he's making five million dollars a year. So, so. The reality is, is that the, the Texas A&M people, with the investment they made, they want more, and this is this is going to be a big year for Kevin Sumlin. Tony, you wrote about it this week, and I think it's the other big issue. One of the other big issues in the league is the fate of Ole Miss and, and, and Hugh Freeze. I mean, what's going to happen there? Um, you know, there, there was cut, you, you know, just a, an incredible story that, that you wrote about this week about Houston Nutt and all that and that big mess. Well, you know. We are dealing with the NCAA, so we, we <laughs> yeah. don't we don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Anybody says they do, they do know what's going to happen. They're 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 lying because you don't. But where they are now is they've responded to all the allegations. There are twenty one of them. They responded to all <laughs> those allegations. They will get before the infractions committee later on this year, probably in October, and then you know usually six to eight weeks later you get to get a decision. The Ole Miss self imposed. Sanctions, uh, no bowl game this year, no matter how many games they win, uh, docking themselves 11 scholarships uh, over the next three years. And so that is, uh, that is the issue. And the question, you know, these, these investigations all come down to the same, guys. It's, it's like watching a, a rerun of Law and Order. You know, everybody, there's finally a meeting between the, the defense attorneys and the prosecuting attorneys, the DA, and everybody shows what they've got, and they decide either to let it go to a jury or to make a deal. And that's yeah. where Ole Miss is going to be. They're backing their coach to the hilt on all yeah. this stuff. And uh, what uh, what happens when they find out everything the selection committee has? And that that's where it kind of gets dramatic. <laughs> right. and, and the key is always making the deal beforehand, you know, trying to uh, you know, self-inflict and hope that's enough. And it doesn't always work out. That way, as uh, you know, Louisville found out, and other other programs have found out. But you try to, you know, you try to do it your, yourself first, and then and, and hope it sticks. Um, but yeah, fun, fun, uh, interesting things going on in that league. And while we have um, you, you here, and we have the unique uh, situation here where you know Athlon came out with uh, its uh, its top fifty college football players of all time in its issue this uh, spring, and. Three of us on this call were 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 part of the panel that voted uh, for that team. Uh, it was I think it was sixteen person panel, and uh, I th- I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and and Jersey guy was the only guy that that didn't participate out of his 
four, I think, because we already they had a Jersey guy. Tom Lucci was Tom Lucci was the quintessential Jersey guy, so he, he preempted me. Um, but I, I I thought it was an interesting list, and uh, let let's talk a little bit about it because this involves your uh, your boy Herschel Walker, who was he wasn't a unanimous number one. But he got nine out of the 16 first place votes, including mine. And I think, Herb, did you have the Herschel number one also? I believe I did, yeah. Yeah, I think you did. Uh, I think it was a, a virtual tie with Archie Griffin. But uh, you, you, uh, I think you gave Herschel the nod. Uh, for right. those, I saw Herschel more as a pro. Uh, I actually saw him um, in the USFL with the New Jersey Generals and then in the NFL when I covered that. But as a college player... Tony, why was Herschel Walker uh, the best player in the Athlon era, uh, almost consensus? Because as, as a college player, he had a combination of size and speed and toughness that we had not seen. Uh, and, and, you know, Bo Jackson came along a little bit later, the one guy that always compares to him. But, you know, you got to remember Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker played three years at Georgia. In three years with him there, Georgia was 33-3 and with three SEC championships and one national championship. And they played Penn State for another championship, the, the national championship they could have won. Uh, from, the, from the first day he played, he was just a force uh, of nature. And uh, he broke Tony Dorsett's freshman rushing record uh, in 1980 and led Georgia to the national championship. And then after that, teams would adjust their defenses to keep him from making the big run. So they just gave it to him 30, 35 times a game. So it was, uh, you know, over the course of three years, he had almost 5,300 yards rushing. If he had played a senior year, I'm sure he would have uh, he would have put that, that record way out there. So he he's, particularly as a freshman, he was absolutely the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so where do you have Tebow on your list? What's that? Where'd you have Where'd you have Tim Tebow on your list? You know, I, I don't. You know what? I don't even remember where I put, put those guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I still have the list that I sent them. Did Tebow, I thought Tebow might have been a little high at six uh, okay. when all said done. But this is this is to create a lot of argument. Yeah, uh, and that, and that and that's part of it. So I got I got one for you. I mean, I, I a couple of things jumped out. Well, there was two issues. One was the issue of what to do with Tommy Frazier. And I, you know, I thought Tommy Frazier uh, was the, the best option quarterback I've ever seen. And I don't, you know, because he's an option quarterback, does it, you know, say sort of like Tebow? I mean, that doesn't diminish his value as a college player. And I talked with some of the Athlon people, and they said he was the most polarizing figure in their in their poll. So one person did not have Tommy Frazier in their top fifty. I'm on uh, word. And and another person had him number one. And uh, you know to to have that kind of uh, you know disparity, I thought was you know was shocking. But I, I you know um, I I never saw anybody you know run that offense. And that team in '95 had to rank as one of the the team that you know that, that put the wood to Florida in, in a national title game. That that didn't need Lawrence Phillips to do that. By the way, uh, they were going to do that anyway. Uh, was led by Tommy Frazier, and I thought that you know he was one of the best players I've seen on one of the best teams I've ever seen. So I, I had him, I, I had him three on my list, but I know there's a lot of issues with that. Anybody, Blau or Herb, you have any problems with, with Tommy I, Frazier? I, no, I, I had him at five. Did you? Yeah. I thought, you know, he was Tebow was one that I probably had as low as anybody. I had him like 
thirty or something because yeah. I, you know I, I think that once you got past the first five and certainly you know the first ten there were a lot of subjective decisions there and yeah but but Tommy Frazier I, you know I just thought that that it's a it's a running back kind of a world in college football but he you know was was as you mentioned such a good runner at at the quarterback that you could just he was your guy, you know. I mean, I had him very high. Yeah, um, it's uh, another another interesting. Here's here's how I had to decide this because there's so many polarizing figures on this list. But in co- in college, it's different because you have to play three years, and it's not like a one and done in in the, in the college game. So I looked at career, um, you know, more than uh, than a one year or a two year wonder. Uh, and, and, which brings me to some somebody had and Cam Newton another. Now, where do you put Cam Newton on this list? He played. He started one year. Uh, had right. a, had a great year. Somebody had him number one, which I thought was, uh, you know, was ridiculous. Um, but, but you know, he was another one that where do you, where do you put a guy uh, who was a who was a one and done in a sport where. You know there are a lot of you know you have to play you have to play three years. A lot of guys put up tremendous numbers over three years. Obviously, if he had played three years and done that at Auburn for three years, that would that would have been something completely different. But for that one year, he was he was incredible. I saw him I saw him in person, gosh, at least five times that year. Yeah, uh, and and so he he was just remarkable, and, and and the amazing thing about Cam Newton guys is they didn't figure out to the third game exactly what they had. Uh, they were they were not using him to run the ball as much, and then they came back and beat South Carolina with him running the ball, and the head coach Gene Chizik turned it to uh, Gus Malzahn, the offensive coordinator, and said, "You know, we probably need to do more of that." So. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, uh, you know, to be you know, Mr. West Coast Homer here. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had the greatest single year, uh, you know, rushing in the history of the sport. He didn't make the he didn't make the fifty. He wasn't even on the nominee list. So that's why you know, I, I and, and and so you could say, well, yeah, he he had, uh, you know, he didn't he they didn't win the national title, and I I think you do have to factor that in. Did you win? You know, win it all and have that kind of year. That's why I think I made it an interesting pick. Well, Duke has got to play in a bowl game too. I think to be eligible. Uh, they he McCaffrey McCaffrey unless you think the Rose Bowl it doesn't exist anymore. McCaffrey no. McCaffrey had had one of the greatest Rose Bowls in history. I know. And 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 ask Iowa how how they how they felt after that game. Uh, but yeah, it, it it's it's a fun thing. And I didn't, you know, I, 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 you know, I had Tebow at eight only because you know, I, I thought he was a tremendous. And Tony, you'll oh, remember, boy. you'll remember this more than anything I remember about him uh, was the fourth quarter he played in the SEC title game against Alabama in 2000, 2008. And I'll never right. forget that fourth quarter because everyone said he, you know, he couldn't throw the ball. He wasn't accurate. He threw some passes in that fourth quarter. That I, I that were just uh, unbelievable, and you know, and and willed his team to to win, and then and then won the national title. So, I well, I'll, I'll tell you a story about that game. I was I was down on the field for the entire game because I was working for CBS, and so before we went on the air, uh, I know I got had had several friends on that Alabama staff, and I was talking to them on the field. One of them before on the field before the game, one of the defensive coaches, I said, "What's the t- what can you tell me?" about the plan for Tebow. He says, well, we're going to throw, we're going to throw some things at him 
that he hasn't seen, and we're hoping that he doesn't figure it out until the second half. Well, as it turned out, uh, I saw one of the coaches, he, he figured it out about midway through the second quarter what they were trying to do to him. So when they got to the end of, end, end of the game, uh, Doof is right. They, they, he made a bunch of throws that just led them back down the field a couple of times and won the game. And when it, when it was over, I saw the same Alabama assistant coach on the field. He says, I do not want to ever hear anybody again say that Tim Tebow can't throw the ball. He just killed us. Yeah, he did. He said once he figured out what we were doing, he just killed us. Yeah, that was uh, th- that was memorable. Uh, Herb wrote a story this week for TMGCollegeSports.com, and I think we'll get into this. I thought it was interesting because I had kind of mentioned the same thing. It's about guys that don't go to media days, guys that you are trying to promote, presumably for the Heisman Trophy. Um, you know, Josh, out here, UCLA, Josh Rosen, who still some think will be the number one pick in the NFL draft, not coming to to media day uh, for the Pac-12. Herb, you had a, uh, you have a couple guys. It was JT Barrett, uh, Ohio yeah. State. Who, uh, uh, what's your beef with this? Well, I just think that, you know, it, it, there's a responsibility there. I, I hope college football do a higher standard. Maybe I shouldn't. You should. And, and college, you know, college sports in general. You know, when we look at the MVP award for professional sports, there's no description like the description for the Heisman Trophy where you talk about integrity and you talk about perseverance. You know, they put on all those collegiate things. Well, if you add those, then I'm going to add those when I sit down and, and cast my ballot. And I just think that there's a responsibility not only to the media, but to the people that, you know, buy the tickets and watch the games to show up. And it's not that hard to do. You know, it's it's just a matter of of these coaches being so over the top in their control freak aspects. I mean, I'm sure, you know, Tony can attest to that, what we see with Nick Saban, although he's learned to lift off the pedal from from my distant view. I just feel like you know, there's no downside for them to not bring these guys. And I just wanted to raise the point that there should be a downside in terms of voting for awards. Well, and, you know, some people are going to violently disagree with that. Uh, but I just think that that's the only recourse that the media has these days. Um, well, well, Tony, I mean, Alabama didn't bring Jalen Hurts, correct? No, they did not bring Jalen Hurts. But, but they have, you know, I give him a, a mulligan. I mean, Alabama has so many. <laughs> they have so many great players. All right, I understand why Alabama might not bring uh, their their top uh, their 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 star quarterback, but you know maybe maybe it does hurt them. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I've never believed in protecting people that don't need to be protected. I mean, some people you, you have to protect for uh, you know uh, you know Randy Moss or somebody like you know maybe maybe you don't want to bring him because of what he might say. And that might be a little bit with what's going on with UCLA because Josh Rosen is, a, you know, is a. In fact, he made the preseason uh, Mister Interview team for the Sporting News. I saw for, for the Pac-12. Uh, you know, he's a very uh, smart kid, and I think they might be afraid that he of what he's going to need to say. Um, and uh, and I don't think that's right either. I think it it hurts him. He's uh, these guys are going to have to deal with it in the NFL and. and those of us that covered that league, Blau, you know. I mean, the locker room is open every day. Um, Ryan, Ryan Leaf found out very you know, quickly when he got to the NFL. Those guys, you know, were 
they're going to be there. And if you were coddled in college uh, and you can't handle that, you know, you're not going to make it. So, uh, well, that's, I mean, that's an argument that's been going on for, for years among coaches. And uh, Joe Paterno, you know, we, uh, you know, was famous for not letting, you know, freshmen couldn't, freshmen couldn't even talk. I mean, because they were freshmen. Now, now that's okay. You know, after the game, you're not going to let a freshman talk to me. He's got 80,000 people, all these people watching. But in terms of the high school, though, sadly, I mean, I agree with Herb and everything else about not bringing them. But sadly, the high school, as we all know, has become a TV award. You win the high school yeah. or lose the high school. By, by what happens on three weeks in, in, in late October and early November when Vern and Gary and all those guys would, would either promote somebody or, or, or bury somebody. And that's when people make their minds up. So what, what is done in July and August, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it doesn't make sense, but that's the way, I mean, it doesn't matter for the Heisman because they don't need to promote the Heisman anymore. And yeah. the coach will bring a, a player, to, he will, if he doesn't, he, but the coaches want to bring seniors, they want to bring people who don't get publicity. They do it. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Well, and that's because the coaches look at they look at these media days completely different than old, say the media. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they, they look at it as a reward for players for a job well done. We in the media want want to talk to the players that people want to read about. Okay, and that's that is a that is a big big difference. Yeah, there was there were several quarterbacks that did not come to SEC media days. Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, Mississippi State, you yeah, know, and play, you know players like that, and there was there was some grousing about it. Uh, well, I'll tell you one Heisman candidate that did that did show up at his media day this year is uh, was last year's winner, right, Mark? Yes, yeah, he was uh, you know Lamar, he was there for for the ACC in Charlotte. I mean, he was he was there and talked to people. I mean, but again, I mean, again, the the, the, the you know it's it's Petrino's got a different thing. He's got to sell that, that program because yeah. that program has got a lot of, lot yep. of Dirt on it in in a lot of different areas, basketball and, and football, and, and so I mean, he's got they got to sell the program. So I think that's that's also calculated. I mean, but but he used the story for Louisville or one of the stories. Yeah. Well, the other the other part of this, you know, back in the day, and we all remember this, is that the coach shouldn't really be making that decision. I mean, now obviously they do, but there should be a media advisor. Says, <laughs> it's media day. You bring the guy. I mean, now it's laughable, but. But we all know stories. I mean, I remember Bruce Motti at Michigan. He got Bo Schembechler on board with doing right. things he didn't want to do. And there are many other examples. You know, these guys should be, you know, told, look, media day is for media. It's not to, uh, you know, have machinations for coaches and control. Well, that's Tony, that's sort of Claude Felton. Who, who in the SEC has that kind of juice with a coach? Well, yeah, uh, nobody. I mean, because the, the, the job has changed. The job of the sports formation director has changed. It used to be the sports formation director was really on the, in terms of the organizational chart, the, the sports formation director was on the second line after the athletic director. He was there with all the other associate athletic directors and stuff. And so, but now, now that, that, you know, you may have a communications guy, but the, but the person who handles football is a separate and they just, they just don't have the clout with their coaches anymore. Right. The coaches are making way too much money. Yep, you are you are correct. Um, well, it's uh, Tony. Uh, Tony, I was going to ask you, uh, and I forgot to touch on this on the SEC, but uh, Florida. What is you know? I know Florida is a baseball program now since they they just won the NCAA baseball championship, denying my Fullerton Titans uh, another. They didn't deny him, but uh, the the logo is almost identical. 
Uh, but what's how interesting is Florida going to be, and is Malik Zaire going to end up with that starting job, the transfer from Notre Dame? Yeah, it, it, we talked a lot about Malik Zaire, and you know, you, you obviously are not bringing him in to carry a clipboard, okay? <laughs> and, and so the question is, how quick can he learn the offense? Do they put things in there into the offense to take advantage of his mobility, his athleticism? Uh, Felipe Franks, a redshirt freshman, was the was the starter coming out of the spring and looked pretty good in the spring. He's got a good, pretty good lively arm. So I think they're going to play both of them. I, th- I think you have to play both of them until you kind of know what you want to be and sort of let the locker room figure it out. Yeah. So I, I, I'm expecting both guys to play against Michigan. Yeah. All right, anything else? Anybody, uh, Mark, Herb, you got anything to contribute? Uh, or should we wrap this up? You can wrap it up. Although, Tony, I mean, you talked about this before. I mean, it seems media days are getting earlier and earlier every year. I mean, are we, we going to have June media days before it's over? What's, what's going on? What do you yeah. think that's well, the Well, the SEC, SEC wanted to accomplish two things. One, it was the all-star break, okay? So baseball okay. Was, was on hold for mo- most of the week, and that was right. one reason they wanted to do it. The second reason they want to do it is they want to have the, they want to have the audience all to themselves. And started early, and that way you get more national guys. And all the national guys were obviously there. And so they think they get their maximum exposure by being first and uh, and, and being at a time when, when baseball is uh, taking a break. Yeah, and they're, they're, I know the, the Pac-12 tried to challenge them last year. I think it was almost going the same week, and uh, they're not doing that this year. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, going, right. they're going back, they're back to late, uh, late July. So I don't think you, you you when the when the SEC holds their days, I think you just get just get out of the way and uh, and, and you know rearrange your schedule around them and then uh, and then move on. Um, so anyway, I think well that we'll wrap this up. We hope to do many more podcasts this year uh, for TMG. This is always the most exciting time of the year, the talking season, as Tony calls it. And uh, I think uh, who was it? Is that Coach Spurrier's Coach phrase? Spurrier. Coach Spurrier coined, coined that phrase. <laughs> coined that phrase. Um, and, uh, you know, it's always, college football is the greatest sport there is. And the, the next month and, and two months and three months and four months are, the I think, the, the, the greatest time of the year. So we hope to get Tony back um, on one of our podcasts during the year. And uh, until then, we'll see y'all later. Y'all, I mean y'all. Y'all.